Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast in the class today is sponsored um, in loving memory of Eliyahu Ini Alava Shalom Lilu Nishmat Eliyahu Ruven Ini Ben Aziza, sponsored by Leah and Freda Freddy Ini. Breakfast is also dedicated in loving memory Lilu Nishmat Rachel Bat Shulamit, Alava Shalom, sponsored by Manny Haber. Uh, breakfast as well is dedicated in loving memory Lilu Nishmat Mordechai Ben Rivka, Alava Shalom, sponsored by his brother. Albert and Hamayas. And as well, uh, breakfast in the class uh, is dedicated for the Fuash of Meir Ben Adelia, sponsored anonymously, and the week of Kolbru is dedicated in loving memory um, of Sammy Said, Lilun Yishmat Shilmon sponsored by his son uh, Isaac Said. Rabotai, we have a, a very interesting uh, parasha in front of us, one I think which has many tremendous lessons for us to be able to learn. But there's one that I want to focus on. I want to focus on the moment when the Jewish people arrive in the land of Egypt. There, uh, you know, if ever there was a, a, a guy who has pull, you know, Jewish people love knowing a guy who knows a guy. There's nothing that Jewish people love more. Oh, you're getting a car? I know, I know there's a guy, I know, whatever, my brother's cousin's dog, he has a company. Right? Always, it's always. We love the hookup, the nature of the hookup. And what's interesting to me is that the reason why I studied a little bit to try and figure out why this is so such an exciting thing for Jewish people. No matter what you say to a Jewish guy, the first thing he wants to tell you is, oh, I, I know someone, call me if you have to get the thing, I have a, I'll call, you know, always. Even unnecessary hookups. You know, sometimes I remember, I remember once I was, <laughs> I was, I was, <laughs> I was going to Brooklyn, right? and, and I had a ride with someone. And the guy's like, no, Rabbi, don't go with him. I have a driver. I could call him for you. Cheapest prices. I was like, this guy is giving me a ride for free right now. <laughs> how fast is he going to get here, and how cheap could he possibly be? But he just wanted to be in like he knew the guy. You know, it's interesting. Why? And I, I, I actually um, I realized a little while ago that this has kind of been ingrained in the Jewish people. You know, when we went into Galut, all different places around the world, one of the reasons why, the, the, the thing that was good about the Jewish person was his network. You weren't allowed to own land, you weren't allowed to have a business in many countries, right, if you were Jewish. So what did they have that other people didn't have? They knew someone in another country because their families had split from Spain, from here, from there. So in fact, the idea that Jewish people became bankers and uh, people of commerce, international people of commerce, that happened because of the Jewish people's fragmented nature through the process of Galut. So it's still a remnant in each of us to know, to feel like it's a very important thing to have connections. So that, this is a vestigial organ, if you will, to use evolutionary terminology. However, let's move on, Rabotai, um, to, to understand that we have the best hookup in the world. You know, you could imagine the Jewish people arriving in Egypt, and as they come into Egypt, the guy says, oh, who are you? The guy's like, oh, my name is Yisachar uh, Jacobson. <laughs> I imagine that was their last name back then, right? Son of Yaakov. What's your name? My name is uh, Shimon Jacobson. Oh, really? You, you, you look like you're new here. <laughs> new here. You know the guy who's uh, running the whole country? He's my brother. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm sure they were all pulling the card. But what's fascinating to look at is that if you look in the Pesukim, you see that, ya that Yosef distributes food to his family, Lefi Hataf, based on how many kids they actually had. He was scrupulous, this Tafnat Paneach, uh, this Yosef. He was scrupulous in his honesty. We know, Rabotai, that Yo Yosef and Yehuda each represent represented different elements of the honesty of Yaakov. And this is a very deep idea. 
that midot are rooted in other midot. So you could have one person who's very zariz, he's always working very, very hard. And some people think, oh wow, the guy, his midah, his character, his defining character trait is the fact that he has got this alacrity, he's always on the move, he's always on the go. But actually, it might be that this guy, the reason why he's working so hard is because he never wanted to take any money from anybody, he never wanted to be dishonest, he never wanted to pull moves or, or, or uh, be a salesman where he defined something as something and then sold the guy something else, told him it was, good, you know, it was goods and then it turns out it was gray market, all this kind of thing. He wanted to be 100%, 100%, 100% honest. That means you have to work very hard. So certain people's midot can be rooted in midot. All the children of Yaakov, who was the Ish Emet, their midot were rooted in Emet except that they had different flavors of that emet. So what's interesting to note is that Yosef and Yehuda's emet was radically different one from the other. Look at the speeches that they give. Yehuda's emet is, I took responsibility to my father, I have to give him back. I need to be responsible, it's my responsibility. Even if this, all this that happened is not my fault. I didn't steal the goblet, I didn't put him in prison, but I said I'm going to bring him back. My word is my bond. Powerful. That's what Yehuda says. Yosef's emet is much more simple. Yehuda gives a very long soliloquy. What does Yosef say? Ani Yosef ha'odavichai. Ani Yosef asher machatem oti misraima. Very simple. Why? Because Yosef's emet is the emet that does not come from having to admit anything. It's not fixing something and making it true. Yehuda's power was the ability to be modeh al ha'emet, to admit the truth. That power first requires you to have done something wrong. So when he does something wrong with Tamar on whatever level that was wrong, Yehuda can then say, I take the responsibility on myself. Those are mine, Pull, take her down. This is my responsibility. Yosef also, Yehuda also knows he was part of the cabal that sold Yosef. He knows that he needs to come forward and change things this time around by instituting and lay, laying down his responsibility. Yosef's emet is much simpler. Rabotai, if you never told a lie, you never needed to give big explanations. You never needed to justify. You just say things as they are. Yosef's emet is much shorter. It's much more succinct. But the Gemara tells us, Rabbi Lopiansky points out brilliantly, the Gemara tells us that both Yehuda and Yosef are tapped for leadership amongst the Jewish people. Both with regards to, in the Berachot of, uh, of uh, Yaakov, each one of them is defined as being a leader of the brothers. But their leadership is elementally different. Okay? The Gemara says that because they were going to be leaders, God put his name in the name of Yosef, and God put his name in the name of Yehuda. Look at the letters of Yosef. You had Yud, and you have a Vav, and in fact, the Gemara also adds the word Yehosef Samo. He added even the letter Hey. So you have a Yud, and a Vav, and a Hey in the name of Yosef. When it comes to Yehuda, however, the Gemara says, with him, his Malchut is uh, stronger, it lasts forever. Why? Because in the name of Yehuda, you have the entire name of God, Yud, and then Hey, and then the Vav, and then Hey after the, with the Dalet in the middle. So you have all of God's name in it. Why is it that Yehuda has all of God's name, and Yosef only has three of the letters, is la lacking the last Hey? 
Rabbi Lopiansky explains Al-Pi Kabbalah, a magnificent idea. We know that this world was created with one of the letters of the Aleph bit. Which letter? Anyone know? The letter, obviously, from the context, the letter A. Where do we find this? The Pasuk says in Bereshit, right? Ele todot shamayim va'aretz. These are the turnings, the uh, outcomes of the heaven and earth. Bihibare'am in their creation. The Gemara says, don't read it bihibare'am as they were created, but rather read it behei bira'am. God created it with a hey. What that means is beyond the scope of a short morning class. But however, we understand that this world is created in the letter hey. The rabbis explain that each part of the letters of God's name represents some part of this admixture of heaven and earth. The most spiritual of worlds, Gan Eden, the world to come, down as you go down through the clouds, Yani, to the most physical element of that world, in which, which is the second hey of God's name. Yehuda's nature was a nature not of a pure, the purest emet, not having done anything wrong ever. That's Yosef. Yosef, even in the worst scenarios, still manages to come out clean. He comes out uh, aces. Yehuda has made, done something wrong, but he fixes it. Therefore, the letter He, which represents an element, a letter actually, that looks like it has a broken part to it, the letter of the He, that represents the element of, of Yehuda. I always loved the idea that the letters He of, what's it called, of, uh, um, of Yehuda's name, we have an element like that which describes the concept of a sukkah. If you have two walls that are full and you have one wall which is partial, but it's close enough to the top that it's within the shi'ur, we consider that closeness, if the space is not too great to be attached, and that gives you the three walls to make a kashir sukkah. That concept is also representative of a person who makes a mistake in their life, but attempts to get closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And once they're close enough to Borei Olam, it's considered as if they're already attached. That is the power, Rabotai, of Teshuvah. Yehuda represents the power of Teshuvah, the word Hodeh Yehuda, which means to admit fault, Rabotai. It is true that while many people come to ask me questions of, uh, is this restaurant kosher, Rabbi? Am I allowed to drink this kind of thing? You know, what's the halakha with sushi out, right? Etc., etc. Could there be any problems? People ask lots of different questions when they come to ask kashrut. But the briskarov pointed out, he says, I have millions of questions about the kashrut of food, but almost zero questions about the kashrut of money. Fascinating. So Rabotai, a lot of times we are people of truth in some areas in our life. But when it comes to other areas, we like to tell ourselves little fibs. This is okay, and this is okay. Hadja, I'm gonna drive myself crazy. I love that line. Hadja, I'm gonna drive myself crazy. This is the same guy who stayed up six nights in a row to figure out exactly how to get the points to work for, six, for the hotel for six days and this, and he pulled the scam. You don't know what I did. And then I called the person and I found out that I know the lady who runs the point system in Florida and she offset my hotel room. The same guy who says, Hadja, I'm gonna drive myself crazy when it comes to kosher food or the, the right type of kosher or getting there for Minyan. He's, he manages to not hadje, I'm gonna drive myself crazy when it comes to something that he's excited about, right? Yo, yo, the Yehuda represents this power of being able to get something wrong, which we all do, and not to give up from where that person is and to decide from that place that, you know what, I can do better, and if I can do better, I must do better, okay? There was a, 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 
a rabbi, a certain rabbi that invested money with someone from the, from the community. The guy was investing money for people. Unfortunately, the deal went sour. There wasn't an ability to return the capital from the, from the, 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 the investment because, you know, sometimes investments don't work out, okay? So he came forward to, uh, you know, to the people of the community and he said, listen, you know, unfortunately, we weren't able to, you know, to, to capitalize on this investment. I hope, you know, I did my best to be able to make it work, but as I explained to you, there's always an inherent risk in any sort of investment. And unfortunately, I've lost, I've lost almost all the capital. Anyway, he calls the rabbi over afterwards. He says, Rabbi, look, I know that the money you invested with me is the money that you have for your dowry. It's the money that you have to be able to survive. So he says, listen, um, this money that I have left over from the capital, it's not, we lost almost all of the money. But there's a little bit that I have left and I feel like I should give you back your share of the money because without it, you're never going to survive. And the rabbi says, thank you so much. It's so sensitive. It's so kind. He says, I'll take the money on one condition. He says that I could split it equally with all of the investors. Don't treat me any differently because I'm the rabbi, he says. Magnificent, beautiful way of looking at it. Yosef understands and he's able to tell himself, you know, all this money, all of it, right? Who made this money for Paro? I did. All the food that you see here in Egypt, they would have been like any other country, not saving the food. They would be starving like everybody else. So you see all of this? All of this belongs to who? To me. You have sometimes people in business that are like this. You know, they're the salesmen, they create, they work for somebody else. They, they get paid a salary. And when they get paid the salary, they start doing business for the guy. Then they realize that, you know, they're the number one salesman in the company. They've been doing amazing turnover. They're making all this money for who? For the owner. Then they think, without me, the guy is not earning anything, right? So they start allowing themselves certain things, liberties, time off that they're not going to report. They want to take some items for their family. You know, ultimately, all of this, you see, everything you see here, I built it. I mean, you know how much money I made him? Come on. You know, they don't report this, they don't report that, they swipe the card, and they justify it to themselves by saying, you know what, the guy's so far ahead, but Rabotai, that's not how it works. When someone pays you that salary to do that job, what would have happened, I always loved this, what would have happened if it would have went the other way? What would have happened if you would have busted your abo the whole year and not made so many sales? He still would have had to pay, pay you as a salesman. That means that you're, the money you're getting paid to be the salesman for the company is not actually tied to the fact that you've done the sales. Now, he might say that there's certain targets in order for you to get a bonus. There's certain targets in order for us to keep you on the job. But so long as you're taking the salary from the person, you have no right to a single penny uh, more than what the salary is. And even if you made all that money, that was your job. Your job was to do that. There's not a single bit element, an element here. Here's Yosef, who all the money is his. It's all because of him. And Yosef is dividing the money How many kids do you have? You're a resident of Egypt. You live in Goshen, on Goshen Street, 222 Goshen Avenue. Here you go. How many kids do you have? The same way I give everybody else, I'm giving you Shimon Jacobson. I'm giving you Ruvan Jacobson. I'm giving you Levi J. Everyone's getting their part. He doesn't give out a dime. Look, though, at someone who's not an Ish Emet. Who's the ultimate non-Ish Emet? Lavan. Lavan says to Yaakov, after Yaakov works for 14 years, after he earns the money, even after they make a deal where Yaakov moves from a salesman that's getting paid a fixed price, whether it's his wives or whether it's some money that he's earning from Lavan, he then says to him, look, I'm going to give you, I'm cutting you into the company. I'm giving you equity in the sheep. 
right? You get all the sheep that are, you know, striped and the sheep that are, you know, dots and the sheep that are this and the sheep that are that. You, you're going to get all of them, okay? Now, we'll tell you, listen, this is so powerful. Then Lavan comes. He says, you see what you have here? Your wife, your kids have banim, banai. Oh, the, the women, my, they're mine. The kids are my kids. The money you make, liu. A dishonest person turns the narrative around where everything belongs to him. And an honest person sees things in the correct way. That's the power of Yosef. Except that Yosef doesn't exist in our world. It's why Yosef earns the job of Mashiach ben Yosef, but not Mashiach ben David. It's why you could have kings from Yosef initially, but not throughout time. Because ultimately, this world is a world of people who aren't sin-free. The Gemara says that in all the history of the world, there's only ever been seven people who lived a life without ever sinning once. Other than that, in Sadiq Ba'aretz, there's not a righteous person on earth, that does good, right, and doesn't sin. You don't have, this just doesn't, it doesn't exist. If that's the case, Rabotai, so it's Yehuda that has that last letter, hey, the hey of this world. Because for most of us, it's an element of admitting truth, not speaking truth flawlessly. And if that is the case, Rabotai, however you were yesterday, that does not need to mean that that is how you're going to be tomorrow. To be more honest in business, to ask questions about the kashrut of money, okay? To ask questions, those, those types of questions. To ask Rabotai as well, yourself, if you're being true to yourself and to your community and to your family on other matters, not just in speaking the truth, but in living truth. Are you being honest with them with what you have? Is that appropriate? The way, what are you telling your wife and kids? What are you communicating to them about, the, about your lifestyle? Do you have the money that you're pretending you, you, know, you have to them, to other people? Pretending rabotai is also a chisaron in emet. But unfortunately, we don't have the emet of Yosef, but we do have the emet of Yehuda. We are capable of telling ourselves the truth at some stage, at some point, to live our, uh, our true selves. Rabotai, some of this also is, uh, is, I must say, and it's a hard thing to say, but some of this also comes in a place where a person doesn't realize what they're doing. They're acting in one area of their life, they're acting super religious coming to shul, doing all this, being very strict. Then the other area, that's a lack of emet, Rabotai. So yes, there's no one that doesn't sin, and we're all part of that. And all of us are more religious in one area than we are in another. But ultimately, balance and congruity across our lives is something that a person needs to strive for. And when you can tell yourself, you know what, if I'm the type of person that prays, if I'm the type of person that learns Torah, if I'm the type of person that studies, then maybe... I, I can do better over here. And you know what? If that's my weak spot, it's okay. I don't need to kill myself because I've made mistakes. But, but I do need to bring that in line with the type of person that I believe myself to be, the type of person I want people to believe me uh, to be. That is the power of a man Yehuda. And a, a man who in the beginning is the instigator perhaps to sell Yosef becomes the person who takes responsibility even on something that is not his fault. That is the full 180 degree turn of Yehuda. And when Yehuda steps up like he does here, even more than all the other brothers, this is when he earns the ability to become uh, a king over all of Am Yisrael. Rabotai, Yehuda became king over all of Am Yisrael.
But for all of us, all we want is to be king over our own little empires. We want to be a king in our home. We want our wives and children to see us as a king, right? We want to rule over what we have. We want to be uh, someone respected in the workplace. A person wants to have that respect then they need to become like a Yehuda that stands up and says, this is my fault. Someone once asked me a little while ago, you know, I was very upset at the shul. And I said, okay. And he says, but it has nothing to do with you. I'm going to speak to the person uh, that made the mistake. I said, Rohi, if it has to do with the shul, how could you say it has nothing to do with me? I'm the rabbi of the shul. Anything that happens here, I'm responsible. Even if I didn't know about it. Maybe I'm, I'm responsible for not knowing about it. Rabbi the elements that are part of being a leader and trying to strive for greatness is when you look and you see everything in my radius and you say, that's on me. That's what a great person does, a leader does. They take responsibility even for things that are relevant to other people and they do their best to lift everything and everyone around them into a, in, into a better state. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. Rabbi Hananya ben Akasham